to me, joy is not situation specific. It's it's how you feel um, overall, despite the circumstances. But circumstances definitely influence the way that you feel um, on a day-to-day -day basis. And so stacking up as many Hi there, welcome to Finding Your Spark again. I'm really glad to be here today with you. My guest today is Dr. Brenna Squires. She's a wellness psychologist, resilience coach, speaker, and expert in optimizing emotional health. For more than a decade, Dr. Squires has helped individuals change the trajectory of their lives by improving their relationships, strengthening their resilience to stressors, and increasing their confidence to solve their most difficult problems. As the founder and CEO of Encourage and Empower Wellness, Dr. Squires provides coaching and training programs that focus on burnout prevention, leadership longevity, and relationship optimization. Dr. Squires uses the knowledge she has gained from her own health struggles to compress time for others and propel them toward optimal wellness. She is passionate about helping professionals confidently get their needs met, thrive in an ever-changing world, and live happily and healthfully. Welcome, Dr. Squires. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, so my pleasure. I'm really excited about this interview because uh, I talk a lot about emotions. Emotions are extremely important to me, right? And uh, and this idea of talking about the link between our emotional life and how we manage it and how we're able to access joy is super important. Um, but also you bring in this element of physicality, right? Because you've got a whole practice that involves both the physical and the uh, emotional mental work. So uh, tell us a little bit about your practice. Yeah, so I own a coaching and training company called Encourage and Empower Wellness. And my goal is to help career-driven professionals prevent burnout and optimize their emotional health. And so my goal was to be able to have wraparound services to be able to help the individual feel less stressed and feel encouraged along the way. And so I talk about um, their emotions, their spiritual health, their nutrition, their relationships, all things that lead into boosting their emotional health and giving them the resilience to be able to push past any stressors that come along and to be able to live that happy and healthy life they've always wanted. So really looking at it from every angle, right? Because we're, we're looking at food, nutrition, that kind of stuff, as well as the emotional. This is such an important connection to make. Uh, can you talk a little bit about um, how our emotions work and why it matters what's happening physically in our, in our experience, like maybe what we're eating or what we're breathing or whatever it is that impacts that? Yeah, so our emotions are connected to all aspects of our body. Um, our emotions are connected to our mood. In fact, what we eat directly impacts how we feel about ourselves. A lot of times we think it's the reverse, um, where we'll eat out of our emotions. But in fact, when we eat, it kind of triggers our emotions. Um, it triggers us to, to think and feel things differently. And so, um, for example, there's some foods that when we eat it, it actually makes us feel more depressed, makes us feel more anxious. 
Um, and so hitting that nutritional aspect is really important to improving our emotional health. Same thing with spiritual. Um, when our spiritual health is down, our emotional health is down as well. Um, because again, our emotions impact all aspects of our, our body and our spirit. Yeah, you make a great point that it isn't one particular plane of existence that we can tap into here. We really have to come at this from multiple angles because they are, there's, it seems that there's a cyclical nature between yes. us, whatever the us is, right? And, <laughs> and our experiences that we're having. So let's talk a little bit about the spiritual connection there. Um, how do you uh, connect with people about spirituality? I know that there are so many people who um, have religions and then many, many people who don't have religion uh, and and kind of everything in between. So talking about spirituality is uh, really a, a nuanced conversation. Can we talk about how that impacts emotion a little bit? Yes. And so with emotions, they are really linked to our spirit. Um, and specifically with joy, because joy is based off of our belief system and our belief system is rooted in our spiritual health. And so what we think about, um, what we believe that will trigger our emotions, our, um, what we think and what we feel. Let's talk about those triggers a little bit. What kind of, uh, triggers get set up most in people? What, what are we experiencing as in general, uh, that gets us into places where either really don't want to go or really do want to go? Yeah. So oftentimes it's triggers of past events and memories that made us feel a certain way because our, our, our memories are linked to our emotions. And so when we think of something that happened in our past, um, it triggers an emotion. Um, and typically the emotion that we felt in that past, um, situation. And so when we experience something in our present time, um, and it triggers an emotion of, let's say fear, our memory will start thinking about things that, um, we had feared in the past. And that sometimes amplifies our emotions. Yeah, that's, that is a really good, uh, example of the sort of a connection between our brain and what we're telling ourselves and, our heart, right? And what, what chemicals are being produced in the body and what we're experiencing and what we're amplifying in that magnetic signature of the heart. That is a really important connection to make. Um, when you're working with people, how can you uh, start to work with that emotional landscape so that people can feel a little less stressed and start to move in the direction of joy? Yes. And so I start to look at the emotional health in the present. So what is causing you to experience distress in the present? Because I believe that the past influences the present. We can't really change the past. We can't do anything about that. Um, so what we do is we use that to um, just kind of help us to see what is impacting our present. And so if you're experiencing distress about something right now, we'll take a look about look at it to see what is causing that distress, whether it's a current relationship, whether it's a job, whether it's a, a task that you're having trouble with, we look at that those stressors and then we start to look at where did that initial stress come from? Because this 
this doesn't just happen, right? You didn't just start to experience stress the moment you started public speaking. You had a situation in the past that caused you to, to fear public speaking in the present. And so we'll look at it right now, how it's impacting you now and all of those emotions. And we'll break down those emotions to see where you've had those emotions before. And then that'll also help us work on challenging those thoughts, um, changing those um, misperceptions that have occurred over time to be able to change the landscape of what it looks like now so that we can be able to change um, your future. Great. That is great. And I love that you bring in this concept of changing the landscape. I find that um, emotional patterns are based so much or influenced so much on uh, by by the way that we felt yesterday and the day before and the day before and the day before right these these habits of being and thinking and um and perceiving our our surroundings and and what they mean to us they really set up a physicality that makes it either quite a bit harder to feel good or quite a bit easier to feel good. Do you have any um, easy, actionable steps that we can kind of talk about to start to change that landscape, to start to work with that um, thought patterns or emotional patterns that we may be experiencing? Yes, um, one of the biggest things that I look at is what choices are you making? Um, what choices are you making with the people that you surround yourself with, with the tasks that you put on your to-do list, with the things that you are eating, um, and the places that you are going? Um, and so just looking at those common things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis and just take a step back and evaluate, okay, is this something that is helpful or is this something that is harmful? Um, and again, the way that you determine that is how do I feel before the event? How do I feel when I am thinking about the event? And how do I feel after the event? And so with an individual person, how do I feel when I think about having to spend time with that person? Do I feel happy? Um, is it causing me to feel joyful? Is it causing me to feel excitement? Um, or am I feeling frustrated, stressed, anxious, fearful, shameful, um, and how did I feel in the past whenever I've been with that individual? And then we will work from there. That's great. You're you're talking so much of here about what I call awareness, right? Where we really kind of have to get more in tune with all of that. And I know, yeah, I know so many people are walking around in the world going, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I don't know. I just go to my in-law's house and then I don't know why there's a fight, <laughs> right? Or whatever that is. And uh, and that level of awareness that you're talking about um, isn't always easy for people to reach for. Are there ways that we can kind of encourage ourselves to reach for that? Yes. One simple, easy way to learn to become aware um, and attuned to your body and your thoughts is to practice being present. And I know that's very hard for some people. Um, one way you can do that is to kind of sit in a quiet place and then just practice, again, breathing and listen to the sounds 
um, that go throughout your body. Listen to the way that you're breathing in, the way that you're breathing out. Listen to the things that are going on in your environment. It's a quiet environment, but just be present in that moment and listen. Um, If you choose to open your eyes or choose to shut your eyes, again, be present in that moment. How you choose to sit, think about that. Um, What are you feeling in that moment? Um, And for those who have a hard time sitting still, um, another activity I like to do is just find something that you enjoy doing and be fully present in that activity. And so one activity I enjoy doing is cooking. So when I want to be fully present in cooking, I will put some music on. I will make sure that I am just looking at what I'm cutting, what I'm selecting. I will make sure that I am fully aware of what's going on around me and fully present in that moment in that situation. I'm not multitasking. I'm not trying to do work. I'm not trying to to talk to somebody else. I'm just listening to what's happening. I'm looking at everything. I'm looking at the colors. I'm feeling the textures of the food. Um, I like to taste the food, get all of those senses involved. Um, Sometimes I like to dance around to the music. Again, just get into the moment of being fully present in that activity. Yeah, I love that you bring this up. I uh, am one of those people who cannot um, chop and talk. I can't, I can't even think and talk. You just saw that happen. <laughs> you know, I, I really do enjoy that space of being super aware of what am I choosing and how am I choosing it? And what does it mean when I choose this vegetable or that spice? What does it mean to the whole? And how did the blend just change? And what type of yumminess, goodness, joy can I take from that? Because I feel like you're really talking about this space of presence, but also uh, a space of appreciation as part of that space of presence, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Appreciating the time. Um, that you have because time is precious appreciating the different ingredients that you have because each ingredient serves a purpose like you said if I add a little bit of one thing um, it tastes one way if I add a lot of it it'll taste completely different Um, and then just making sure that as you are present again the biggest thing with being present is making sure you're not multitasking because multitasking is not really a a real thing because our mind can't be divided so much. And so with multitasking, we just jump our focus from one thing to another. And that's one way that we have less peace and more stress is when we try to jump quickly to multiple things. Um, And it kind of stresses our brain a little bit. And so being present actually helps calm your brain, um, calm your mind, calm your body, which in essence, then just calms your emotions altogether. Nice. Do you have um, a particular mindfulness or presence practice that you do specifically, like I carved out these five minutes or hour or whatever it is, and this is how I'm going to train my body to behave in a certain way for this day? It depends on the day. I don't do it the same time every single day because my schedule shifts a little bit, but I try to schedule it uh, before and after when I know I'm having um, a a big event 
or a, a situation that could cause stress um, to both prevent and to recover from that situation. Um, and so if I know I'm going into something that that could cause me some anxiety or could cause me stress, I will just take a few moments to be mindful and to be present. Um, and then afterwards, again, to de-escalate my mind and my body. I, I love that you bring that up, that you're sandwiching, because uh, I uh, was trained as a biofeedback practitioner. And when... <laughs> and when we... Um, when people would come to us and want to support their efforts in surgeries and uh, other procedures, that was exactly what was going on there is that we would need to really do some things beforehand to get you ready for the change that's about to happen, right? Mm -hmm. And then the change happens, right? When we bring it into this emotional level, we, we talk about it as change as opposed to cutting and, you know, we're, we're not doing a surgery. But when you um, when you prepare for the change and then you make the change and then you spend some time getting used to the change, right? You spend some time doing things that allow us to, to integrate those new feelings, those new changes that we've put. Uh, yeah, so uh, tell me a little bit about how that works for your clients. What does that look like? Yeah, so when I'm teaching a new strategy or a new tool, um, we like to talk about, again, each aspect of it, again, preparing for that. So we want to know that you know the skill. Um, we want to know that you are competent in the skill, but then we need to prepare for that um, in the moment. And then once you do that, then we'll talk about how did that go. And so that's that recovery phase of we need to prepare, we need to do it, and then we need to think about what happened. So for example, when somebody is experiencing a lot of social anxiety, this is very common with social anxiety, we'll talk about the stressors that could happen, challenge those thoughts, prepare you in by reducing your anxiety in the moment, reducing, um, ch challenging your thoughts and changing your thoughts in that moment to be able to encourage you to get to that point where you can go to a social situation. Um, and that's that part that'll um, help you not to avoid that social situation. And then afterwards, we want to kind of debrief you. So how did that go? And more often than not, we get a lot of I get a lot of individuals that say it is not at all what I thought it would be, and it's everything that we prepared for. Um, everything that we thought, everything that I initially thought, um, did not occur. But everything that we went over and we prepared for is exactly what happened. And that helped me to continue throughout the presentation or throughout that social interaction. And then afterwards, I actually feel a whole lot calmer uh, even talking about the situation because I prepared for it. Yeah, I bet you've seen a lot of that in the last few years. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that we, you know, when we all sort of went home <laughs> a couple of years ago now and uh, I think none of us could predict that it would change our social interactions on such a massive scale and that we're dealing with one another's energies when we're in person. And we don't have that when we're not dealing with people in person. And so there's a really big difference between going to a cocktail party and 
having that interaction, that type of social interaction in a different format, like a Zoom meeting or something. Um, so that is really interesting. Uh, did you see a big uptick in that uh, social anxiety issue when that happened? Yes, absolutely. Um, initially, not so much, but as the pandemic progressed, it skyrocketed because social interaction um, in person, you're there face to face. There's no other option. But social interaction online has changed quite a bit because you can now turn off your camera. You can now um, have a different background. You can now just change a couple of things um, that you couldn't change before. And so I found a lot of people who said that their social skills significantly declined when they were in isolation or when they were um, only doing Zoom meetings or um, online appointments because they didn't have that same, again, face-to-face -face interaction in person to match that same energy level. And again, especially if the person on the other end chose not to have their camera on, it's a little difficult having a conversation with a blank screen or a couple of dots than it is having a conversation with someone who's standing right there. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you really bring to mind this image of someone hiding behind a screen or a wall, right? I mean, we would, we would just stop talking if we disappeared, the person disappeared in real life, you know? Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, I am really glad that you're bringing these issues out. And I want to just touch a little bit on how we can increase that relationship to joy. You know, we're talking about really the link between emotions and joy. And a lot of times we end up in social interactions that make us anxious. Now we've got a framework that you, you laid out so beautifully that we can use to segment intent, right? To, to take a moment in time and say, this is what I intend for that to be and all of that. But how can those uh, frameworks really support this next level, right? Not just I am happy, I'm calm, right? I'm, I am getting through my life in a way that's convenient and also comfortable for me, but also like how do we get to that, that heck yes kind of real joy? Joy, to me, joy is not situation specific. It's, it's how you feel um, overall despite the circumstances, but circumstances definitely influence the way that you feel um, on a day-to-day -day basis. And so stacking up as many positive situations as possible increase the amount of joy that you have. And so when you're around positive people, um, positive interactions, again, being involved in social situations and then positive boundaries, having good boundaries with other people, looking at the way that you think about yourself and the way that you do things, making sure you're not overworked and um, doing too much. All of those things compound into your overall emotional health. Um, and if you're not taking care of all of those little things, it's really hard to maintain that level of joy when you're not putting in any kind of effort or work to be able to help that overall emotional health. That's wonderful. That's really wonderful. Uh, it, it really sounded like there was a piece in there that was also about self-care and how we kind of need to use that in order to get into a position where we're ready for joy. Is that, is that your experience? Yes, absolutely. If we're not taking care of ourselves, 
and we're prioritizing everybody else, we're, we're not filling up our own cup. We are running almost on empty. And when we're running on empty, again, our emotional health declines, our physical health declines, and you can only have so much joy when you have a little bit of everything. And I feel like joy, that cup overflows. You want your cup to overflow um, into other areas. And in order for your cup to overflow, you need to fill it up with good things. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You were reminding me that there's a saying about being uh, halt. That's what, that's what the initials are. Halt. Hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. And how when we're in that position where we've kind of let these things that we do to care for ourselves go, we haven't had the social interactions that support us, or we've gotten into positions where we've had a lack of boundaries or, or too much boundary or right, right. Some sort of conflict in that area. We can create a lot of anger in our lives. Uh, and then just food, just so simple. Like you've got to eat nutritious food and, uh, to be able to be aware of that tired element, um, that those all have such a big impact on the ability to produce the chemicals in your body, right? Because, you know, I think a lot of times we have this, we have this perception that there's the spirit and it's kind of out there. We don't know what it is. And then we have our bodies and they, they're, they're different from the spirit. But my experience with it is that the, the chemical nature of the body is an incredible support system to the spirituality that we, that we experience. Yeah, and vice versa, right? Because really our spirit's in the driver's seat. Yeah, sometimes we forget that it's all connected and we can't really separate things out. We can talk about correlation um, and we can talk about how one thing impacts another, um, but we can't really tease it apart completely to say um, it's just this one thing, that, that there's, they're, they're all connected with mind, body, and spirit. Yeah, beautiful. Well, I want to uh, make sure that our audience knows how to get in touch with you and what you've got going on in your practice. So let us know. We'll, of course, we'll link everything, but let us know what's, uh, what's going on. Yeah. So, um, you can reach me on my website at drbrennasquires.com. Right now I have a free webinar that's coming up. It's called the number one key to improving wellness and reducing burnout. And so in this training, you're going to gain some clarity on the driving force for change. Um, you'll also learn um, what you need to know to increase motivation and to begin making progress towards your goals. And so that free webinar will be July 31st from 7 to 8 p.m. And you'll be able to register on my website, again, drbrennasquires.com, and you'll see um, an area that says events. And then when you click on events, you'll see um, this free webinar. And I was just going to talk a little bit about my, my individual coaching program. Right now I'm doing individual coaching um, and I'm working to help career-driven professionals optimize their emotional health and build resilience. I take you through a 10-step process um, that I call the Resilient Roadmap that'll help compress time for you and so that you can live happy and healthy in 90 days or less. 
Well, thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Squires. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I want to also remind everybody that you can go to unbreakable.guide and get the guide to becoming unbreakable. I will remind you that, you know, this is really about navigating those emotions. It's everything we've been talking about today, right? It's like, how do we have a framework that will allow us to to have thoughts that support the ability to make the change and to have a, a vision of the world that also supports our ability to make the change. And those two things can get in the way so much when we say, hey, I just wanna feel better. I don't wanna feel like this is gonna take me down or even I just want to not feel a little down in my life, right? So uh, get that, it's got practical tools you can use every day, every minute, whatever feels good to you. And uh, that's at unbreakable.guide. I'm so glad to be here with you all today and I'll see you next time.